0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. And now it's time Hello and welcome along to the One Man Team Podcast, my name is Gabriel. Um, here, here to talk about the uh, past week in uh, football. Um, you know, just as I did, the, just as I did previously. Um, what has happened this week? Quite a lot has happened um, in terms of in terms of Arsenal, my team. Uh, they've been to the south coast twice this week, and um, yeah, not to break social distancing rules on the beach, um, to, but to play Brighton and Southampton. Um, they played Brighton on Saturday. Um, obviously, we will talk about. Both of the games where they played Brighton on Saturday and Southampton uh, just yesterday. Um, so I'm recording this on Friday and they played um, yeah, Southampton yesterday on the Thursday and Brighton on the Saturday. So um, let's just get right into it. Um, in terms of the Brighton game, uh, it was a bit more encouraging, obviously, than against Manchester City to start off with. Um, I mean, it couldn't have been much worse than that uh, end of first half and second half performance that they put out against City. Um, uh, although, obviously, one key factor in that was the David Louise factor, who, um, of course, didn't feature um, at Brighton or at Southampton um, due to his um, suspension from uh, from the uh, from the game from the games because of his uh, straight red card against uh, Manchester City. Um, against Brighton, they did play relatively well, I'd, I'd say, and um, took the lead through a very nice Pepe goal. Um, Saka giving the assist and uh, Pepe putting it into the far corner, showing once again he can he can be a good player in this league and i believe he will be a good player in this league but um just maybe not playing to his strengths currently at the moment and uh, maybe he just, he just needs to adapt to the english game uh then afterwards it was another arsenal collapse um a terrible miscommunication for the first brighton goal uh, which lewis dunk scored uh um, it was a, a scrambled ball um, into the box, and um, it was a gold, gold mouth melee, and uh, Dunk was the quickest to react. And then afterwards, Neil Mapai, who is the was the villain of the piece, and I'll uh, we'll go into that a lit- in a little bit more detail as to why that was, uh, put in a goal in the 95th minute, um, after there were three minutes of added time, so make of that what you will. Obviously, you still have to concentrate um, until the final whistle, but... If you give three minutes of added time and someone scores in the fifth minute, a little bit suspect. But whatever, it was uh, Arsenal's fault. Should have played until the final whistle. And then, of course, Guendouzi had his hands around Mopai's neck, um, which resulted in no further action. But again, a, a little bit stupid from Guendouzi. Uh If you're going to f- stick up for your teammates. So what happened, just for a little bit of context, what happened earlier in the game? Neil Mopai uh, crashed into Leno when Leno had two hands on the ball. Obviously, not very sportsmanlike from uh, from Mappai, and uh, the the Arsenal players should have been a bit more vocal about it then, rather than save it all for after he scored the winner against you, because then it just seems a bit like sour grapes. You need to be more vocal about it at the time and defend your teammates. Uh, Leno was the only one who seemed to be getting irate with Mopai and he was the one being stretched off, so uh, I'm not sure, not sure where that fire was from the Arsenal players earlier in the game when Mopai did um, hit Leno, and obviously an unfortunate injury for Leno, but not as bad as first th- feared, many people thought it was an ACL injury, so the anterior cruciate ligament in the knee. Uh, which is usually around a six to nine month recovery, and it can take even longer than that. Some players never really recover from that kind of injury, but it looks like he he's going to be okay. Uh, initial prognosis is four to six weeks, so uh, he may feature again this season, but more than likely his season is done. Um, it's probably good for him. He has played quite a bit of football in the last couple of years, so... Probably good for him to just get a little bit of a break and uh, rehab and recuperate. And uh, Emmy Martinez, who was deputising for him afterwards, uh, came on as a more than capable backup, so I've got no no real massive worries about him being the backup. Um... In terms of the next one, um, we had the Southampton game as well on uh, Thursday, so yesterday, and that was uh, that was a much better game than uh, against Brighton. Controlled the game, um, Southampton never really looked like troubling Arsenal too much, which is not something you can usually say when we play Southampton. Uh, usually uh, against Southampton we struggle and we, we tend to lose more often than not, especially away from home. At home, we're a bit better, but especially away from home. And uh, usually, we usually get suckered by a Shane Long goal who seems to save up all of his goals for when he plays Arsenal. Uh, And funnily enough, I have uh, a few years ago I went to an Arsenal Southampton game and Shane Long scored the opening goal for Southampton. So, there you go, just a little tidbit there. We did win the game 3 2. Um, It was bucketing down that day, raining really hard and uh, managed to beat Southampton 3-2 that day, so that was a fun, fun day. Uh, aside from that, though, yeah, not, not too worried. But wasn't too worried about it once, the, once they got into the game. I was a little bit sceptical before the game, because obviously they'd come off the back of losing to Manchester City quite convincingly, and then that heartbreaking last-minute defeat to Brighton, um, a game probably against Brighton which they probably should have won, but against Southampton, much better. Um, hit the bar early on, and then... Uh, Good persistence shown by Eddie Nketiah to uh, charge down Alex McCarthy's clearance. And then obviously the easiest, easiest of of chances just to tap it in from uh, two yards out into an empty net. And then um, Joe Willock uh, coming on in the second half and showing uh, why lots lots of people rate him. I I do rate him. I just think he needs to be a bit more consistent. But yeah, good, good reactions and uh, to hit the rebound into the back of the net off... uh, of shot and um yeah a nice 2-0 win and um just before that uh just before that Stevens for Southampton was sent off for a foul on at Bamiang, so uh Southampton were playing the last 5 or so minutes plus ad- added time with uh with 10 men um but yes a uh, uh, convincing a good win and um good to be back to winning ways finally after Uh, It felt like a long time, but it's it's only been a week and a day since the Premier League came back. Um, But yeah, after those two, those two losses earlier on after lockdown, getting the win was just was vital, especially ahead of uh, Sunday's game against Sheffield United in the FA Cup quarter final and a place in the semi final and a trip to Wembley on the line. I'm not sure what the I'm not sure actually if that will be the case this year, but. I'm not sure why they wouldn't do it, actually, but yeah, obviously it'll be Wembley without spectators, and um, a trip, yeah, a trip to the FA Cup semi-finals on the line. It's uh, it's nothing to nothing to laugh about or nothing to sniff at. So obviously we hope um, we, I'm saying we, like everyone on here is an Arsenal fan. I hope that they um, they can beat Sheffield United, another away game, which will be the fourth in a row after lockdown um, at Bramall Lane. Uh, Sheffield United, a tough opposition always. So I know they've. Had a couple of um, hard results, and they've only picked up one point from uh, three games after lockdown. Haven't scored a goal, funny enough. Um, they lost, they uh, drew nil-nil with Aston Villa, uh, lost three-nil to Newcastle, which was a surprising result, and uh, lost three-nil to Manchester United the other night as well. So their season seems to be fizzling out a little bit. They are obviously their first, their first position was to secure. Secure their status in the Premier League, which they have done very convincingly. And um, Sheffield United have been one of the surprises of this season. Um, I know probably people who follow the Championship a bit more closely than I do uh, will probably say no, they, they're a good team. They've always been a good team, and uh, shouldn't be surprised. But obviously, you know, not knowing too much about Sheffield United, uh, it was surprising for me. So, um, uh, but yeah, it's always it's always good to see um, to see English coaches do well. Um, especially, you know, obviously it helps the uh, helps the game, helps the national game and uh, everything like that Once uh, when English coaches are doing well, it helps everyone else in the league as well So um, it's always good to see a team like Sheffield United do well and get in amongst it Amongst the uh, Premier League big boys uh, Top half of the table um, Can we win the game? I'm not too sure it will be a tough one. I think we should be able to win the win the game if they can take the belief uh, playing against Southampton on Thursday and winning the game if they can take that belief into the game on Sunday. They should be able to handle the business, I'd say, and uh, set up a, an FA Cup semi-final. Uh, be another another FA Cup semi-final. Obviously, we've been going to Wembley quite a lot the last few years, and uh, we're hopeful we can get there again. And maybe challenge and win a piece of silverware to. Cap off this. Let's be honest, quite, quite uh, horrendous season, and um, hopefully it will be a case of you know lifting a trophy, even if it is uh, socially distanced and uh, no fans present. Hopefully we can uh, win the trophy. Also, just a a quick side note. I'd like to congratulate the new Premier League champions, Liverpool. Uh, obviously, 30 years in the making. Um, I wasn't even alive the last time Liverpool won the league, so. That is uh, quite an achievement, and um, yeah, well done to them. Well done to Jurgen Klopp and uh, and you know players over there. That's uh much deserved this season runaway runaway winners i 'd say, and um, well I mean not i 'd say <laughs> they are over twenty points clear at the top of the table, and they 've um, they 've and no one has won it um, funny enough, a fun fact, no one has won it this early in the season, so with this many games left to go, but this late in the season in terms of month, so June, obviously an unprecedented situation, um, normally it would have happened around march April time um, if it was around this sort of time there's seven games left in the league. So, yeah, it would have been around sort of April, early April time. But uh, obviously, with the unprecedented situation we're in, uh, it's uh, happened in March. March? I just just said it a minute ago, June. Uh, So, yeah, fantastic, fantastic achievement from them. And, uh, yeah, much deserved. Obviously, um, I I did like teasing uh, any Liverpool fans I do know out there about the uh, lack of Premier League titles. Uh, Obviously, they've now joined the club. Uh, so they've joined it along with so the winners yeah the winners of the Premier League you've got Man United uh, who've won 13 Manchester City who have won 3 I believe and um, what was it 4 I think it's 4 Chelsea who have won 3 either one of those I can't remember I saw a graphic earlier today one of those 2 have won 3 one of them has won 4 do apologise for that Um, Arsenal have won 3 and then you have uh, Blackburn Rovers I know Blackburn Rovers they won 1 uh, Leicester City of course that's incredible incredible um, um incredible title win in 2016 and now Liverpool have joined the um joined the ranks so uh yeah, well done to them and um yeah we look forward to a more closely contested uh, battle next season hopefully uh, obviously really great achievement but it hasn't really been fun from a neutral point of view because Liverpool have basically had this wrapped up since about January, <laughs> I believe. Yeah, January, February. It's basically been a foregone conclusion. Everyone else has been sort of tripping up, and they've been consistently good. So, yeah, well done to them. Um, also, want to get into a, a few other bits and pieces today. So, um, Arsenal uh, on the Wednesday. So two days ago, just before the day before the Southampton game, they announced a few things. Um, Obviously, they announced that um, Leno, earlier this week, they said Leno would be out for four to six weeks. Martinelli is now out for the season with a knee injury, which uh, may explain his absence from the team the last few games. Uh, Because lots of people are saying, where is Martinelli? Including myself, uh, because I think he's one of our our most direct players and one of our players who has the most potential in in the squad. And I think we really should be trying to sort of build around players like him like Saka you know young players who who can be the future of this club for the next five six seven years maybe you know perhaps they may move on you know who knows Uh, you know players these days move on usually don't stick with a club so um but we'll see but it's vital we build our we build our team around these sort of key pieces and key young players and um you know continue to progress. But that's yeah, that's unfortunate because he's had a good first season, uh, really unknown, um coming over from the Brazilian second division. I believe Ituana, the uh, the side 6 million pounds a a bargain in today's market. Um I know throwing out figures like that sounds really ridiculous as a bargain, but uh, in terms of today's market when you consider um when you consider that we paid 72 million pounds for Pepe, um, and then at the other end of the scale, we paid six million pounds for Martinelli, and uh, arguably, you know, arguably Martinelli's had the better season. I believe he has, uh, and he's adapted uh, pretty quickly. I think because less was expected of him than Pepe, everyone thought Pepe was going to come in and just be our like sort of savior. Uh, it doesn't work like that in football. You know, players need time to adjust, need to learn the language, need to learn a new culture, need to learn, you know, a new a new system maybe. So. Give give players time. I'd say is is the uh, is the message from this little um, mid mid podcast mini rant. And um, yeah, unfortunate for him, unfortunate for Leno. Um, we've got obviously a few games left in the season seven games, eight games. Sorry, including the FA Cup, and potentially we could have two more if we get to the final. So potentially uh, potentially up to ten games we could have the rest of the season. Uh, also, uh, yeah, this week they also announced the permanent signing of Cedric Suarez from um, from Southampton. So, uh, back up, right back to Bellerin, uh, I would say. Uh, funny enough, has not played a single game since he came over from Southampton in January. So, uh, I guess, you know, that's just the sort of way at Arsenal nowadays. If you don't play a single game, here you go, you can have a four year contract. But I do think Cedric Suarez is a, is a good player, a good experienced player. Uh, just it would have been nice to see him. Uh, play the game for arsenal and you know be an active member of the squad obviously signing him injured uh, flashbacks to kim kalstrom in 2014 whose one major contribution was uh, scoring a penalty in the fa cup semi final to send us through to the fa cup final against wigan and uh, but he came injured played two games i believe and then uh, yeah bounced so uh, that was a fun time fun time to be an arsenal fan then Uh, And we did it again with Cedric, who hasn't played a single game. I think he will play a game though soon, hopefully, if he's not injured again. Um, And uh, then we also announced the permanent signing of Pablo Mari, who unfortunately as well was also lost uh, to injury for the season. Uh, Really unfortunate because I believe that he could be a um, a decent player for us. Uh, He's looked composed and, and calm, maybe a little bit slow, maybe needs a bit of time to get up to speed with the Premier League. But he looks composed and calm, and everything you'd need in a modern-day defender. You know, you can pass, head, dribble his way out of trouble, etc. So, uh, yeah, hopefully that's uh, that's a decent signing, and it's it doesn't sound like astronomical money either. So that's something that is few and far between in football these days. So it's it's always good if you can secure uh, halfway decent players uh, for uh, minimal money. Uh, you know, it makes it makes it makes it easier to. Uh, by the sort of star players for you know more money and and the mega bucks that they will be spending. Although it may be slightly slightly tailored this year to, um, due to the obviously due to the coronavirus pandemic, uh, clubs are talking about the transfer window will be slightly different this year. Um, it's looking like it's going to run till October, so a little slightly slightly later than than previous years when it was in September. So obviously the club season is going to finish. Although the Bundesliga is finishing tomorrow on the Saturday, so they're finishing, and then but everyone else who's just getting started again uh, will be finishing at the end of July. So uh, yeah, it's going to be slightly different and a slightly different uh, transfer window than we used to. It will be a transfer window, maybe a blast from the past when transfer windows were when transfer windows weren't even a thing. Uh, you could literally sign a player whenever you wanted, really. October, November, December all the months really uh, there was no no january transfer window no some well there was you know obviously big moves happened in the summer and uh some big moves happened in the winter but there was no january transfer window and no set transfer windows uh they were just free to move clubs about um from place to place at any time M- move clubs about uh that would be odd move players about from clubs from uh time to time so uh yeah that's uh that's all good um Another oh god I uh, I really don't want to say this one. Uh, another thing that Arsenal announced to, uh, this week was that they have re-signed David Luiz to another year. Uh, I I mean I've said I've said all I really want to say about this guy, and I think if you guys go back to my previous episode, it I think you know my feelings towards David Luiz. I thought it was a horrible signing then. Uh, I think it's a horrible signing now. I think it's a horrible re-signing. Uh, it's not just because, believe me, it, it's not just because of a knee-jerk reaction from one game. This is over the course of this season, as well as watching this guy throughout my whole life. I, like I said, to you guys, I remember when I remember watching that Brazil, uh, that Brazil team in twenty fourteen lose seven one at home in the World Cup semi-final to Germany. Uh, on their own patch and he was a big reason for it you know his his lack of discipline you know running out he's he's, he's 33 years of age and he still doesn't know where he is on the pitch most of the time and it, it just baffles me that he's been given another another year contract and I think this is something to do with Arsenal's dealings with these quite dodgy agents if I'm being honest uh, you know uh, they seem to be, they seem to be going backwards in the transfer policy and uh, signing people like Louise to long-term deals is not long term. Well, obviously not long term. It's a year, but it's it boggles my mind. And I was having a chat with a friend of mine the other day about this. And he uh, was trying to make the case that, Oh, Louise is a good experienced player to have. And, you know, everyone would be up in arms that it costs so much to have him for just one year. And, um, then I countered that argument by saying, "Well, is he is he really going to play?" And then my friend said, "No, he's going to you know he's going to be more of a backup and and everything like that." And I said, "Well, there's no point resigning him then, if he's going to be a backup and you know everything like that. If he's if he's not going to play, then there isn't a point in resigning him. If he's just going to be a backup, there isn't a point in resigning him because we do have adequate backups. Uh, we do have centre backs as well. I believe we've got." Seven or eight on the books at the moment, and, and we have, of course, William Saliba to come back in, the 19-year-old who's highly rated from Saint Etienne. Uh, we're hopeful that he can be the answer, to be the plug uh, at the at the back in um, in in the Arsenal team. We're hopeful that he can be, you know, our centre back for years to come, and form a strong partnership with who knows who it will be. It, will it be holding mustafi socrates someone else luis chambers and everyone forgets about him because he was having a good he was having a decent run of games before his season ending injury in december uh but yeah it, 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 the david luis signing just boggles my mind and um i really don't understand it uh i know you want to justify you want to justify paying him for this year but i'm really i really don't see the point of re signing a 33 year old who has obviously, you know, this season especially, he's aged in dog years, so it's not. It's he's he's really. It was it was similar to when we signed Stefan Lichtsteiner a couple of years ago. If if anyone remembers that lovely year we had him, um, similar to signing him, he you know he looked consistent, looked good as a, as a, a player at Juventus and everything like that. We signed him at the age of thirty four, I believe, and he he aged very quickly when he came to Arsenal and um it's it seems like a bit of a retirement home for players at the moment I'm not too sure when we started um doing that um you know our sort of uh, retirement services at Arsenal I'm not sure when that was that became a thing um, if we couldn't if if we resigned in David Luiz why couldn't we resign players like Ramsey or players like, uh, you know, Wilshere or Santi Cazorla, because if you, if you really want to sign people who, you know, they can make a difference and uh, they might be injury-prone as Ramsey, uh, Cazorla and Wilshere all were, <laughs> but they, they're they definitely not as error-prone as, error prone as uh, David Luiz has been this season and uh, I really I'm baffled by the re-signing. Uh, hopefully, as I said, it won't be longer than this year, maybe they just wanted to re-sign him so they could sell him on in the summer that's what Chelsea did Uh, he was a free agent going into uh, last summer Chelsea re-signed him to a two-year deal and then uh, basically said you're not part of the plans so that's when he pushed uh, pushed through for a move so um, yeah maybe that's the plan but I don't think anyone at Arsenal is that smart to do that at the moment so uh, we will we'll see what happens there Uh, we will see uh, what happens with him, and um, yeah, hopefully that will be the case, but I don't think anyone at Arsenal will be that smart to do that. Um, another big one, Granite Xhaka came back after missing the Brighton game, so uh, just a small injury for him, which was good. Uh, we've lo- we look much better with him in the team. Uh, you need that presence in midfield which he brings the calmness on the ball to just sort of keep the game ticking over that's a very a very key position in football it's uh it's almost like the it's uh, i believe it's the quarterback position in football it's like the uh who's good good examples of them throughout history Chabi alonso andrea pierlo players who are not not flashy but uh you know they they keep the game ticking over. Play the simple pass. They can play, obviously. They can play a very dynamic pass and a lovely pass. Good, at, good at free kicks usually, and um, you know. But they just keep the game simple, and they, you know, their teammates love playing with them. So, uh, good to see Shaka back. Obviously, don't don't misconstrue my words. I'm not saying Shaka is on the Chabby Alonso level or an Andrea Pirlo level. Uh, he's got a long way to go <laughs> to get to that. Um, but having him in the side is much better than not having him in the side. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's good that he's back. Um, what else has happened this week? Uh, well, aside from aside from Liverpool winning the league, obviously Chelsea beat Man City two one. Uh, Chelsea winning the league for their opposition for their opposition again. Uh, you know they they. Drew with Spurs to end their hopes in 2016 and make Leicester champions, and now this year uh, they beat Man City to make Liverpool champions as well. So um, uh, obviously Liverpool are going to become champions anyway. Let's not uh, let's not uh, take that out of let's not take that out of the equation. Liverpool were going to become champions, but Chelsea, you know, uh, made it impossible for Man City uh, mathematically to come back. Uh, so yeah, they uh, so. Funny thing I saw on online was uh, yeah, it said Stephen Gerrard never won the title for Liverpool but Frank Lampard did. I thought that was quite funny. Uh obviously, you know, tongue in cheek and just a, a bit of banter in terms of in terms of like uh, in terms of like football. And uh, we all like that, don't we? You know, just a little bit of tongue in cheek. And um, you know, if you can't if you can't take the piss out of something like football, what can you? You know, it's uh, it's it is a, it's, a, it's a funny game it's a funny game you know 22 men chase the ball and uh, at the end of the day germany win the game so um yeah, it's uh, it's great and uh, and yeah i mean the, the premier league it's starting to you can see the quality of the players is starting to it's starting to get better and the fitness is is coming back up to to scratch and the the first few games over the first sort of weekend were were pretty horrible because obviously the players had been off for three months which is actually a longer break than they get in the summer because obviously in the summer they finish mid-May some of them finish in June depending on what competitions you're in and then you have like a month off and report back to training around the sort of 1st of July and then you're on a pre-season tour and then before you know a month later the season begins so uh, having three months off is actually probably the longest time um, any of these players have had off for a while uh, you know, unless you're injured, obviously. But uh, good. It's it's good that it's good that everyone's sort of back and, and firing and, and everything like that. So uh, I see. We also had uh, some funnies from um, from Roy Keane uh, when Tottenham drew with Manchester United one-one last Friday. Roy Keane uh, was very very annoyed with David de Gea. I mean, rightfully so. David de Gea was poor very poor in that um when he tried to save the shot from Steven Bergwijn it's uh, it was it was a terrible terrible attempt at a save it was it was awful but let's not forget how bad Harry Maguire was who let's not forget is the most expensive defender in the world and in history in history Harry Maguire 80 million pounds more expensive than Virgil van Dijk who is currently the UEFA player of the year so um yeah it was it, his turning speed uh it equated to i'm trying to i'm trying to think of something really really slow i mean i'd say it. i'd say it was like a it was like a, a tortoise turning around um it was it it was so slow and um i'm i'm not too sure you know what he was attempting to do and it's it's things it's moments like that where you also you also you always question Harry Maguire and how much obviously that price tag is forever going to follow him around now and obviously Leicester are, are higher up in the league than Man United are and and um, I know I've got no right to talk about this because Arsenal are terrible um, they're lower than Man United and Leicester so uh, you know what do I know but um, it was yeah it was it was pretty bad and uh, Roy Keane let his feelings know at half time, said he wanted to fight David De Gea. Um, I think Roy Keane has had three months off from watching football and uh, he obviously has a lot of pent up rage uh, built up in that time. Roy Keane is generally quite an angry person. I don't know if you remember back to his playing days whenever he would do something wrong, like if he had a, like a sending off or a particularly nasty challenge on someone, uh, they'd be camped like the press would be pranked, uh, ca- pranked, pranked, camped. Camped outside his house, and um, he would always come storming out of the house and walking walking his uh, his dog. Uh, that dog i think was the most walked dog in britain at that time record show uh, don't quote me on that but um it was <laughs> he uh he was really annoyed and um i think rightfully so i think uh, patrice Everett was laughing uh but it was a sort of sort of nervous laugh so with roy Keane, you never know if he's going to you know when he's going to blow his top but you could see he he was really annoyed and angry with the Gea there so um yeah, hopefully, hopefully, I can can avoid Roy Keane's wrath again, and um, and you know, hopefully, get back to his best because he's a good keeper. But he does have tendencies to sometimes be a little a little erratic. I mean, all keepers do. It's a it's a thankless task in goal. You know, one minute you're a hero, the next minute you're a zero. It's uh, it's never really a, it's never really a job or a, a task where. You get a lot of praise or a lot of thanks Um, because, and uh, also when you make a mistake, the spotlight's on you because you're the only one out there, you're the only keeper out there. There's four defenders usually, you know, if you're doing a conventional 4 4 2, four defenders, four midfielders, two attackers, so one goalkeeper. So it's uh, the spotlight is always on you. And if you make a mistake, the spotlight is is massive and it's hard to get away from that. Uh, but Roy Keane, yeah, Roy Keane. His exact words, I believe, were he wanted to fight that he'd be fighting De Gea at halftime if he was still playing, and he wouldn't allow De Gea or Maguire on the bus. And he was also quite annoyed with Luke Shaw, uh, Luke Shaw, who seems to irk every every manager pundit who comes into his comes into uh, you know he comes into contact with. But uh, yeah, him Mc- between him, Maguire and De Gea, Roy Keane was very upset. Very upset. Um. Yeah aside from that I, th- I think that's pretty much pretty much it this week. Uh we've got this um this weekend we've got the uh, closing of the Bundesliga. Uh there's also Serie A. Serie A's also back as well and uh, uh the championship is getting in full flow again. Uh the league league um the playoff finals, playoff semi-finals have, have been happening as well. So, sort of, yeah, football is sort of slowly coming back and everything like that. I'm also, I'm a big Formula One fan, so I'm looking forward to uh, the race. I believe it's next weekend is the first race in Austria. So, uh, hopefully, obviously, that's going an event going ahead without fans. But in Formula One, it shouldn't be too much of an issue because uh, you're you're isolated in the cockpit and you are, you know, on your own on the track as well. Aside from a bit of radio contact with your team, you're on your own on the track. So I don't think it will be as big of a difference as with uh football, because football without fans is quite quite a bit different than with fans, uh, obviously. But Formula One, I think it will be it'll be different, obviously. With no fans, but um it won't have the same effect as uh, sports that really do require fans like football, like rugby, you know, like American football, things, you know, basketball, things like that. Um, also, another another thing, the Champions League, I believe they've come up with a format for that now. Uh, they're looking to do it in um, August, I believe. So the remaining teams, uh, so there's, there's still second legs to be played. So they will be played uh, in the home stadiums of whoever is at home. Uh, and then from there, I believe all the teams are travelling to Portugal. And they will be there will not be two-legged games for the quarterfinals, semi-finals. Um, obviously the final is a one-off game anyway, but the quarterfinals, quarterfinals and semi-finals are usually home and away uh, first and second legs, but this one will just be straight knockout tournaments, so it will be like World Cup style and it will be in Portugal. And uh, the same with the Europa League, except I believe that is happening in Germany. So, uh, Portugal and Germany will be the settings of the Champions League, uh, you know, Champions League and Europa League quarterfinals, semi finals, and final, uh, which will be quite interesting. It'd be similar to how the NBA is looking to restart, which uh, they're looking to restart in Orlando, I believe, in the uh, Disney. Is it Disney World? I think it's Disney World in Orlando. The Disney World Resort. All the teams and the players and coaching staff and everything that that will be left uh, in the NBA season. So they're going to do the playoffs. Uh, they're going to do... I think it's the end of the regular season and the playoffs, or is it... I think it's just the playoffs. I'm not too sure. Uh, but that's still up in the air because obviously in America the cases and the coronavirus and the handling of it is is uh, slightly different than in other countries. Uh, so... Uh, uh, well I won't get into too much of that because I could, I could have talked for another half an hour about that. But um, yeah, so it's getting back into the full swing of things, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll have some satisfactory conclusions. Obviously, the Premier League season is over now. In Serie A, it's still open, wide. Serie A. I don't know why I put so much emphasis on the A there, um, but in Serie A, it's uh, it's uh, wide open still between Juventus and Lazio. Um, Lazio just blew a two-goal lead to Atalanta on uh, Wednesday when they could have moved within one point of Juventus. Juventus are playing tonight against Lecce. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Obviously, Napoli, the side Italia champions. uh, Inter played out quite a thrilling 3 all draw on Wednesday uh, where Antonio Conte was booked... uh, Antonio Conte could start an argument with himself in a room, I believe um if he was by himself in a room and there was a mirror in there. I think he could start an argument with that mirror. He's quite animated, so yeah good good times there uh but yeah, hopefully, hopefully you all enjoyed uh the second second episode uh bit of a wild wacky week in sports um you know you We've been back for less than two weeks, and we've already had a, a nutty week. So, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it continues. And um, yeah, once again, congratulations to Liverpool. Uh, congratulations to Arsenal for winning an away game and having a clean sheet, which is not something you say too often. And um, yeah, peace. will um, I'll be back again, hopefully, sort of similar time next week. I don't really have a schedule for these uh, for these podcasts. So I sort of just sum up what what i've seen throughout the week and try to make some coherent arguments hopefully they are coherent so um yeah hopefully you enjoyed it and um yeah peace have a good one and uh, enjoy your, your weekend day whenever you're listening to this hopefully you're just enjoying yourself and um thanks bye